This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Morning, Professor Ward Scott here. Not in the manly Warhol Command Center today, but in the Steve Spurrier Grill podcast studio with a great guest today uh, who is running for the Gainesville City Commission. So it's going to be an interesting discussion here. I want to thank, of course, always our sponsors. Melton Law is the only official law firm partner, by the way, of the University of Florida. They won't back down. And crime prevention, CPSS.net, is securing all of us everywhere all the time. So be careful what you do because you're probably on camera and crime prevention knows it. That's the world we live in today. So join the crowd. And, uh, of course, we uh, appreciate those of you who look at the mugshots. 45,000 hits a month to see who the latest uh, victim is of running afoul of the law. And, of course, uh, at the halftime break, I will give you um, the weather, which is not pleasant. I have to admit to you, I'm looking at what we're looking at the rest of the day, and it's not going to be all that much fun. We advise you get something done. If you're working outside, get it done early. So we like to bring the candidates to you uh, from time to time who are running for public office. And I just want to let you know that I'm an equal opportunity critic. Um, (laughs) I don't necessarily take any sides in these discussions when the candidates are here, because I don't think that's fair. We have a whole continuum of people who are looking to come on the Ward Scott Files, from liberals to conservatives, if you want to categorize them that way, if you want to oversimplify and use labels. And I don't like labels, but uh, that's much the way the world operates today. So uh, the Ward Scott Files is a forum for the community. So there's anybody who wants to get on the air as a candidate, just contact me and we'll work you in. Um, I've known this candidate today for a long time. Uh, she's been a household name, really, in uh, municipal watchdogness, if that's a word. <laughs> and um, she's a wonderful lady. She's um, one of these people who just um, likes to keep everything orderly and straight and official. And therefore, she never runs out of work if she's monitoring the behavior of the city commission. So I suppose what's happened to our good friend Joe Beatty here, uh, whom I can't vote for, by the way, because I don't live in the city of Gainesville. So there you are. And I don't get GRU utilities either. I get clay. (laughs) So there you are. And that's the way it goes, Joe. So I can't I don't have a dog in a hunt. But I want to feature Joe today and we'll chat for quite a while. Uh, We we do not use the uh, call in line while we're in the studio, but I do use the chat line, which I'm watching right now. And if you have a question, uh, kick it on to the chat and I'll take a look at it and pass it along. Uh, you can also use the sideline number and call and I will see that come up. So um, we're going to chat with Joe for a while. And as I say, she's been involved in one way or another with, I don't like the word activists and activism, but just um, advocacy. Advocacy. There you go. <laughs> advocacy is a good word. Joe, welcome to the Word Scott Files. And hey. what in the world brings you to the public arena? <laughs> well, I guess it was born in, in my blood, and um, I've been active uh, anywhere. I've lived in many different aspects, you know, be it uh, I was an elected park commissioner in Illinois when I had small children, saw some things that I had questions about, kind of an inquiring mind, and when you can't get the answers, and I ran for office, and surprisingly, um, with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, I was elected. <laughs> My first time out with a very homegrown campaign. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, and so I served there. I was elected to a six-year term and served until we moved back to Florida, which uh, my husband's a Gainesvillian by birth, and we moved back after his dad died, and he had a wonderful childhood and education here, and um, we brought our family back, you know, to be together more with that's family. A whole, see, that's a whole part of you I didn't know. Now, let me um, expand on that a moment. How long was your term? How long did you serve? I was elected to a six-year term. Six-year term. And uh, I, I, we moved. I was in my 
fourth, almost fifth year. Really? Um, yeah, and that was in my early 30s with two young children. And uh, there, like here, you know, I was used to being the one of, uh, I was not like the other four. I'm oh, really? Like so you had five on the seats? They, on the we, had, we had five seats on the board at that time. They did vote to expand it. Uh, at one point, I think they went to seven while I was still, uh, while I was still serving. But I was the one that would be representing the people, as I always do. And um, I would get all the calls. And then I would, <laughs> you know, we would be deliberating and talking about something. We had a much better process there than you have here now. Um, and I would start representing people. And they'd go, well, where are these people? Why do you get all these calls? And, and they were saying, like, they were ghost calls or... And so I had to start telling people, don't call me, you know, I agree with you, I'm trying to represent you, you better call the others because they don't believe me when, when I tell you, why and I tell them, you know, what the sentiments are out there. And so, you know, I've done this all well, my life. Was it the same beef, basically, that the government's unresponsive? If you uh, had to generalize, I don't no, know. No, back then, uh, it wasn't about being unresponsive, I, you know, they were kind of... That was before the internet. That was so. The newspapers were much better at, at um, explaining what was going on in the meetings. Um, I don't think that they were unresponsive. It was just bringing to their attention uh, things and, and some things. I tried to represent the people. I always complained. We met on the third floor of the community building, and the notice was up on the third floor. Mm. And they'd say, you know, nobody ever comes to these meetings. And I said, why don't you put the notice down on the first floor where everybody could see Imagine it. Just that. As yeah. I've been doing here um, in Gainesville, you know, they have meetings at GRU behind closed doors. You got to get in with the security guard. And I keep saying, why don't we post that there's going to be a meeting here next week so that everybody coming to GRU knows it. Um, you know, so it's, you know, they were saying, well, you know, they abided by the law. They posted the meeting as they were supposed to. And I'd say, they did there's the nothing, minimum of what the law requires. There's nothing that prevents us from doing more beyond, outreach. Doing more than the law says. And, and similarly, um, I've had the same issue here. They don't post, um, they don't post that there's an election. Go, go to the website right now. And the fact that there's an election underway is not front and center on their website, when it comes time to qualify, there's nothing out there that really tells the people. I'm all for give too much information. You know, if the mm -hmm. public doesn't read it, the public doesn't come to the meetings, shame on them. But if we don't do the education and the outreach um, in those ways to invite them in, is shame on the leadership. And so uh, you'll notice in if you look at my past uh, public comments, I often speak about, you've got an election going on. Why is there nothing on the, the website? Uh, I try to keep the public informed, and I think they're trying to keep the public out is, is evidenced by how they're going to run the meeting next week about one of the now two most important uh, burning issues with the city, which is these, the zoning changes. And now GRU, you know, has really risen to the fore with this last round of bills. When we first started campaigning and going door to door, everybody was, well, where are you on the zoning? If they knew well, about it. Let's talk about that just for a moment so the people know what you're actually running a district. You're running from a district. I'm right? running for district Can you two. explain that? Because people are so confused. You wouldn't believe it. You know? well, of <laughs> course you would. You. <laughs> they don't know up from down about what happens in the government. Generally, right. it's been my experience. So it's one of the reasons we do what we do on the show here. So the district, let's talk about that for a moment because we're going to get into all the things that are important. But your district is what and all that business? I should have brought a map for you. Um, it, generally speaking, and with exceptions and with exceptions that were done by uh, Commissioner Ward at the last minute, uh, I'll explain that. Generally from University Avenue and 34th Street going north, the west side, generally speaking. When you get to 16th Avenue at the last minute, um, Commissioner Ward took a chunk out of the 
the west side of 34th. The line should have been be dividing east and west was on the east side of 34th. Well, how did he do that? Uh, he said uh, in the meeting, he said, well, they were like negotiating lines and stuff. Yeah, they, they make up their own they, districts. They, they, you know, they spent tens of thousands of dollars on consultants and didn't take their advice. And basically, Commissioner Hayes Santos and um, Commissioner Ward, I think, I saw doing the most about, well, let's move the line here. Let's move it there. Um, I think uh, candidate Eastman, who was not a candidate then, it was also instrumental, as I understand it, in, in having some lines pushed. Um, and so at that meeting, uh, Ward said something like, well, I think over here on 34th, let's just push out and take this little corner and and I don't remember the rationale for it. It just seemed like strange that it mm -hmm. happened in, in their negotiating lines. Uh, so let's get back to the district lines and then I can expound a little bit more on that. So it goes north to the county line. It goes west to the county line, essentially with a couple of you know things out here. Down at University Avenue, it takes in um, a little bit of the south of University in Newberry, uh, Anglewood, I think it's mm -hmm. called Anglewood, uh, some of those uh, Mill Pond, mm -hmm. so it, it mm -hmm. takes in some really? of those, yeah. and that's kind of the border, goes to the western, goes out west. Now, when you go north, it at um, 39th, 23rd, uh, which is Glen Springs Boulevard, it also goes east a little bit and it takes in several subdivisions going east to about, as I recall, 19th Street when it kind of goes north again to the county line. Um, now, who is your competitor for that district? Is it Who, who am I running yeah. against? I'm running against um, Michael uh, Rayburn, James Engel, and Ed Book. Okay. Three, three okay. nice So there's four people in there. Right. All four obviously won't make it. There could be a runoff. There could be a runoff. I'm hoping my husband says he's going to be my plus one for 50%. <laughs> he promises me he'll be my plus one. So. I wonder what the turnout's going to be this time, too, uh, all over this the whole uh, landscape here, because people we're going to get to in a minute are so upset. So is this yeah. what you find? Have you pretty... Oh, have yeah. you gone to that district and, you know, how you have you blanketed that? And let me hear. Yeah, you... we're we're working it. Okay. And first of all, just let it be known. I have geographically the largest district. So, you know, the district. Littlewood School and all that area. in there. Yeah, right? I got yeah. Littlewood School, but I also have a Turkey Creek Forest and and some of those, you know, kind of scattered uh, Westchester uh, Millhopper Station. Uh, coming down 34th Street. Yeah. So geographically, I have a very uh, expansive area to cover. And uh, where uh, District 4, where Eastman and Christian Newman's district, is relatively compact. You have houses closer together. You've got apartments. You've got... So, uh, you know, covering the territory is something else. But... Um, Everybody speak to I, Ward, when I decided that after 15 years of sitting there, of speaking up, of trying to shine the light and get them to ask questions or answer questions and make better decisions, um, I was ready to walk away. And all of a sudden I go, there are four seats up. If we can get three good candidates, even two at this point, would at least put the conversation out there. Um, and I thought... It's about time that I make my last 15 years worthwhile or mm -hmm. it, I, I was getting to see it as a waste that, and I, I've had successes. I, we, the citizens have had some small successes, but not what we really need and things are dire. So I decided that I would, I would make the run. I've been asked um, seriously about four four times over the past 30 years to run and it never was the right time. First, I didn't know enough about the community. Next, I had 
sick parents. Doesn't seem to bother others. <laughs> yeah, no, I know they come in and they don't care. They don't know the community well, either. They funny. got a lot of ideology. Well, it's funny because now looking back on it, when I was first asked, that's when they learned I I had already spoken out at a couple of meetings here or there, and uh, when it, Ironwood, and I went and I spoke because they were going to do yet another. A renovation of Ironwood. I don't remember if it was the second or the third. Yeah. And I went to speak about it. And I said, look, I was a park commissioner. I know about golf courses. Yeah. And golf courses don't make money. We had a golf course, nine holes on the river, um, designed by Robert Trent Jones. It was, it was paid for. We made it because it was only nine holes. And every you had two, no debt. Every, no debt. And every two or three years, we could had enough money to redo a, a green or two. And and I went and I said, golf courses don't make money. I could tell them places in Illinois that that had opened and failed and, and left the community with all this debt. So um, after that, I think somebody came and asked me to run. I, I can't run now. You know, I... I don't know enough, and it was like, don't worry, we'll teach you. You know, we'll help you. Well, I see what happens. I'm so glad I said no then because I see a lot of these people who don't know, they get in, and then they get schooled, right, and they get right, told right, right, how right, we right. do things on this commission. I don't know how many of them be interesting if you ever get them in here to ask how many of them ever really read the charter and knows what the job oh, is few. before they very few. before they start. Um and so, uh, so over the years, you know, the time was never right. I had sick parents. I had children in high school. I was more involved at that point, you know, with the school advisory councils and in that. So you've always been involved. I've always, I've always been involved everywhere I've lived. Yeah. Um, I've always had leadership roles of one kind or another. And so I thought, you know, if not now, when? And there's never a good time. No. My yeah. son was like, no, mom, you need to do these other things first. I go, no, it'll be gone. So I see this, my candidacy, not just, I want a seat and a voice and a vote so that I can maybe help influence the conversation in that on the commission. Um, but uh, I also see this as education. Uh, if you look at my flyer, mm -hmm. the backside is all about the, um, the zoning issues that are coming. And when I, I approach people at the grocery store and they go, oh, I'm not in your district, I said, well, don't look at the side about me. Look at the back side. You need to know it and you need to tell your friends. So my mission here is as much about educating the public as to wake up. Now is the time. I think we've had a lot of good people step forward and try to offer their expertise. Kim Tanzer, I could name and many others, they get turned down for advisory boards when they are eminently qualified, when they put cronies on. Um, and you know, talking about advisory boards, by the way, we're talking, in case you're just tuning in with uh, Joe Beatty, who has finally decided to throw her hat in the ring here. She's always been involved wherever she's been, but she's a studious person, I can tell from talking with her, and she wanted to make sure she knew what she was talking about before she ran, which is really unusual, atypical, in my experience with politicians. Usually they just jump in there and they play the game from that point on. But I have a friend who's on the RTS advisory council uh, committee to the, right. I, I have to hear the dismay because they know I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, who I am in the forum and all that. Let me just trace back for you a couple, three things. One is several times now, the advisory council has unanimously voted to take Corrine Brown's name off the RTS building absolutely ignored by how low can you go Bowtie Poe, and that's my <laughs> deal, you know, the, uh, uh, the boy named Lauren, okay? Ignored, all right? Unresponsive. Secondly, I got this earful a couple of days ago after the last art. In case you don't know it, all this business about how bad automobiles are, and we need public transit, and this, that, one or another. The RTS system for Gainesville Regional Transit, which is not really regional, needs 55 drivers. 
55 drivers. They ain't going to get them, my friends. So they're cutting bus service. Now, you think about this. On the one hand is the ideology of the politician who has read all the books and gone to academia. It's kind of an oversimplification, but here's not, in this case here. And then there's the rubber meets the road. I'm not punning on this. That's actually what's happening. We're taking the rubber off the road by virtue of cutting the bus routes because we need 55 drivers. And you ain't going to get them out of thin air. Now, that's just one frustration I hear about advisory boards. Um, what good is an advisory board, Joe, if you ask the people to come up and serve of their own time and they sit down and nobody listens to them? Well, uh, I'm ditto, telling I'm ditto, singing you. Right, right. I'm singing to the choir, you, but I, I don't even know uh, if you knew we're 55 drivers down. No, I didn't know specifically that we were 55 drivers down. I certainly know we're down. And, you know, the bus situation, the fire department situation, the police, we're down in all those. And we're down for, um, you know, budgetary reasons. We're down. We can't keep these people because we're not paying them enough. I've, I've been in the room when the... The bus drivers were there, and, and you want to cry. They tell you how long they've been there and yeah. and, and what they're making. And, you know, the, the, a lot of the bus drivers, we train them. We spend more money training people, be it the fire department, be it the, the police department, be it the bus drivers. And we train them well, and then they, they leave for better jobs and, and more respect. And that uh, you look at what's happened to our our police department, you know, all these shootings and the violence and that, um, I really think it's because we haven't maintained the police department at the level we had in the late 80s, early 90s, where we really had a professional police department that was, you know, award-winning, um, was a model. And these people retire, they leave, they go elsewhere. Uh, same thing with the fire department, and they they don't get paid enough. I mean, when I, I get the— Especially um, now with gas going up and the diesel, and then— uh, Even before that, even word, before that, before though, that yeah. and, and it's just worse. And I was interviewed um, and, and learned a lot uh, during the election, uh, sat around with the the fire department, fire union, mm -hmm. um, and, you know— they reiterated some things that I already knew, but then also told me more about the conditions of their firehouses. You know, we've got a fire assessment fee, and, you know, it doesn't mostly go to them. And when we've got mold and vermin and uh, falling apart fire stations, our training facility is uh, needs repair, needs replacing. We've got firehouses that need replacing, and we keep doing things like sports complexes and, and other things. It's I've said in citizen comments um, over the years, and more specifically recently, we have to tighten our belt on the general government side, and, and we have to reduce the transfer to reduce the rate pressure, and those GRU bills are now have just really come into the fore. It used to be just the zoning issue that we're going to talk about later that um, was the only thing people talked about. Well, now their their July bills have come out, so now it's the bills and it's and it's the zoning, and those are the two burning issues. Those are the ones that you knock on doors. That's what they got to remember. Knock on doors at the grocery store. You know, the first thing they'll say, "Where are you on this single family zoning?" That's you the know, first thing. It, that was. Yeah. Now it's getting, get, last night when I walked, it was about the GRU bills. And, you know, you've had Debbie Martinez here. You know that she's one of the ones. All the things that, you know, it's well, like, you know, I've got a, it's I've Groundhog got a, Day. I've I know you're warthog. I've got a note here, for example, that uh, uh, a, a listener right now, one of our top fans, remembers you from the biomass fiasco. That's what uh, got me in there for 15 years in City Hall. Isn't that it's, something? Yeah, I tell you, uh, it's, it's interesting. I would like to um, acknowledge these other people. Paula Stamer asked me to come to one meeting 
um, because they were going to talk about a contract that was mostly redacted, but they were going to burn trees to generate electricity. And she said, just, I said, I've got a mother-in-law with a stroke. I'm taking care of her. I have no time. Oh, just one meeting. I went to one meeting and was appalled, and I came to the next. And 15 years later, I not only was going to city commission meetings, but committee meetings. and, and To no avail. To, to no avail. Uh, I did sue them. But before I go on, I just want to say that initially um, – that these people really need to be acknowledged. Uh, Tom Bussing, Michael, this is an alphabetical order, Michael Canney, Diane Devey, Karen Orr, who's since passed, uh, Lee and December McSherry, and Paula Stamer. They were really, you know, on the forefront keeping this up. We had a loose coalition of people, different people. Had well, you different know, Joe, I remember, it's embarrassing to say this, I was in a parking lot somewhere and Tom Bussing came up with a clipboard and asked me to sign something and I have no, no clue what he was talking about and they were light years ahead of everybody they said this biomass thing is a fiasco now of course I go back to the firing of Mike Kurtz which was a tragedy for the whole right. administration of GRU that by all analysis anybody you speak to in the in the profession admires and understands how great a manager but mm -hmm. he wasn't philosophically aligned with the fanaticism, if you will, for this fad. And, of course, it turned out to be a bad business deal, which uh, I have to say the city commission has been making one bad business deal okay. after another. So you're way ahead of the game yeah. on that. You were way ahead of the game on that. Yeah, we were. And, and you know, there are people like, oh, she's going to tell me about biomass. They turn and walk away. But these people that I just named – Really, we all fought in different ways, different expertise. I think I probably wrote uh, with Michael. Michael and I wrote that petition that we were circulating. You know, the irony, too, if I may just interject here, when you mentioned Lee in December, whom I know pretty well, um, these were environmentalists coming out against environmentalists. Right, right. As, I mean, as, as with Diane Devey and yeah. Paula Stamer and Karen Orr. Uh, all of us were. They were more active in the environmental yeah. community than I was at that point. But it was obvious the what was going on was being so hidden. That contract was to be hidden for 30 years. And what these people accomplished, what we accomplished, at least we got it exposed in um, 2011 because of three um, different legal actions and that and everything that's been done just kind of moved the ball down a little bit. Then, then uh, I created in 2011. I created Gainesville Citizens Care. Michael Canny, uh, Jack Price was on the original board, who you may not know, but he was a very good. He was a liberal, but a very good man, advocating for good things. Really, um, his friends turned against him because. Of his stand right, in right. helping across the, across the road, he, he you know. did, and um, you know, so we all did different things. I sued the Gainesville Citizens Care, and sued for because of violations of the Sunshine Law in, in the way the contract was negotiated. And that, um, that point, uh, Jack kind of, you know couldn't really handle it. He was getting older, he, and he really um, wasn't involved. We had the lawsuit, and um, eventually I was, like, forced to mediation, and that's a whole other story. I don't want to go into it at the moment. Uh, mediation, at least we got a meeting uh, that to try to expose more of the details, and, and so I've been about education and edu trying to get information of the paper doesn't carry, the news doesn't carry, you know, the information of what's really going on. You have reporters that don't have the long view. That's why of all the candidates running in my race and of anybody, I've counted 26 uh, commissioners that sat there while I've been sitting in chambers. Yeah, and none of them, that's an interesting statistic. Yeah, 20, 26. 26 different commissioners while you've been there. Well, I've been there. And I'd say... Um, you know, Lauren Pope probably knows the most because he's been there on and off over a longer time. But, you know, I had a commissioner tell me the other day that I couldn't have a couple of minutes uh, 
and let Mr. Cohen, uh, Robert Cohen, do a uh, presentation on why we need an ombudsman and a position. And he must add 20 minutes on the agenda. And then when it came to citizen comments, I, I had been listening to him as I was driving. I was so appalled. And I got there and I said, if you just give me a couple more minutes, a little more than three, uh, you know, I, there's a lot packed into what he said. And, and so I was in the middle. I get to three minutes and Misako cuts me off, says, that's it. I said, could you please give me two more minutes, Mr. Cohen had had 20 and um, she says no and you know I tried to go on she so I sat down as I'm sitting down she informs me that sometimes we have uh, citizens that do research for us and they want to present to us and that's the way this has always been done in this building and as, been around here long wait a minute as that. I sat down or this is I was going, she's telling me how it's always been she, done in this yeah. biz. And so yeah. I, I did the calculation. I've been here 15 years. She was 16 years old <laughs> when I started sitting there, and she's telling me how it's always she's been done. Herself. She's and, been and, full of herself. And so, uh, you know, we try, incidentally, we tried to get on the agenda during the biomass. We asked for 15 minutes on the agenda to do a presentation, and we never got it. But um, and there were two groups of coppers. One of the groups got it, but that was um, Robert. I forget his last name. Uh, but he was the one that was always on the commissioner's side. Well, yeah, but for a minute, the yeah. the other group, Maria Parsons and and that group who were challenging, they never could get any time. We're talking with uh, Joe Beatty, who is quite a library of uh, experiences, and we just uh, touched a little bit of that. Um, she was here in the meetings uh, when the current commissioner who shut her off was only 16 and took the position that as commissioner, she knew more than our guests knew. That's the way it works in these days. You never know what you're going to run into, but you got to be ready for the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. If you're <laughs> going to throw your hat in the political ring because you're going to meet all kinds of characters and very seldomly will you meet one who is, you know, a, a Quality. Let's say it that way. Quality people tend not to get um, get in, uh, in in the room with the politicians. I have to be, tell you that's my experience. But it, it, I'd like to say something to that because we've had a lot of quality people come, and I think they get shut out. The yeah. Kim Tanzer, I think it. I heard it was three times applied to be on one of the advisory boards. Now she's been. The dean of Architecture, yeah, I, I think, of Virginia. Let's take a break. We'll continue that. I know. I've, I've, I've uh, chatted with her by message. Are we ready to take a break production for our uh, halftime here of the show? And we'll be right back. We're going to thank our sponsors. And uh, and uh, I'll get back with the weather a little bit. The weather's going to be miserable. Just get ready for it. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses 
that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. We are thankful to Lewis Oil for supporting the Ward Scott Files and bringing us the weather. I can tell you that um, the misery index, as you know, you don't need me to suggest this to you, is pretty high right now. Today, it's going to reach in our area here in the piney woods of north central Florida, 96 degrees, but it's going to feel like 106 degrees. And be blessed that we don't have the floods uh, that they have in St. Louis and Kentucky, in those areas where the rivers are. It has really been a mess there. Um, the, the the rain coming down in some places you would think would be a blessing, but it's not a blessing because it's uh, been so uh, uh, heavy. And I didn't do it. I did not do the naked rain dance. So please don't blame me for it. Um, we have got uh, um, a lot of unsettled, if you will, climate activity going on around uh, the, uh, the country. And I suppose we'll have to ride this out until maybe another month. August has not given us in the past much relief, although sometimes you can sort of, in a cool maybe moment here and there of the evening after one of our big storms, sense a little bit of cool weather. <laughs> but it's um, few and far between. It's humidity, basically. And so it's going to feel very warm wherever you are here in our area, and it's going to be uh, uh, not the optimum pleasure, if you will, in some of the inland states, and particularly out west where we've had the fires, and then we've had the, the dearth of water there, uh, and we've had such things as Lake Mead drying up, and of course that's all partly due to the fact we have a tremendous intensity of a population in California uh, and all those places which have been using um, the water from the mountains for years in, in a way that's not been very smart. So I'm not going to make any defense of California. Uh, that's a, another whole world. I keep thinking it's going to break off and float off like Hawaii someday, I joke, but, uh, you know, it's not uh, necessarily the case. So uh, be, be advised that today that you should protect yourself against the, uh, the, the heat. If you're going to get something done right now, I'd say, You've got about another hour, hour and a half outside. Uh, by, by, by noon, you ought to be in. We on the farm are working right now. We're cleaning fence lines and uh, <laughs> protecting pastures, uh, getting ready actually for the fall and uh, trimming off the head of the uh, bahia grass and uh, making sure that cattle can get to where they need to be. But they're having a lot of fun, the cattle, uh, and that there's a lot of grass for them right now. Florida is known for growing grass. That's originally what we did better than anywhere else. And the big cattle ranches are sort of going away. But on, in the past, it's been agriculture that sustained this state. Once uh, air conditioning came along, then we got the tourists and we got a whole different economic base. But it was once upon a time, no doubt about it, an agricultural state. So we're going to come back now with um, our good guest here, um, candidate Joe Beatty, who's been an advocate for many, many things for a long time. Um, and has finally grown frustrated enough, I suppose I've, that's my word, uh, that feels like so many good people do. Um, by good, I mean they don't want to be a professional politician. They, uh, there's a world of difference between a professional politician and a person who wants to become involved to uh, help make things better. Um, I put, um, having listened here to um, Joe, I put her in the category of being somebody who wants to improve the community rather than profit from the community. You know, these commissioners make a lot of money, you know, 
let's talk about what a city commissioner is paid. That's kind of embarrassing. Um, what's more embarrassing is what the county commissioners are paid. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> the county commissioners are 85, 90,000. Right. Uh, Here. city commissioner, I think, is 37 now, 37, four, something like that. And the mayor gets $10,000 more. It's my recollection. I'm not doing this for the money. I didn't study it. The only thing I know about the money is that I paid 370 something dollars to it, which is a percentage of my would-be salary, uh, certainly, to if qualify. you average it, yeah, to qualify. Yeah. Um, I certainly, uh, if you average in the time I've spent getting up to it, it's nothing. And, you know, that's not what, um, that's not what I think civil service is about, public service. And, and if you recall, used to be that the commissioners got really a token amount. Mm -hmm. It was during uh, Pegeen was on the commission when they really raised it. And as I recall, her um, argument was that, you know, anybody should be able to serve on the commission and, and should be able to afford. Well, you've got people serving on the commission that this is their job. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't have other jobs. And I think when you go back to before, when you did it as service, like these volunteer boards, people are doing it to do service for their community. Um, and when you make it so that it's, even though it's not a great living, but people can get by on that, they're taking too much time. They were supposed to be advisory policy making. And uh, you'll see in my uh, flyer, you know, one of the things I say, um, I will encourage sound decision-making based on data, uh, considering many complex factors that stop. I will stop the current commission practice of micromanaging and return the management of our business to the professionals, our charter officers, with oversight by the commission, as the charter demands. The commissioners, if you watch, you know, they get a recommendation. They sit there on the fly, on the dais, and, well, I want this, I think that, you know, let's move that. And they're making decisions and micromanaging, and they're not demanding that their paid professionals, the charters who are really the only ones they have any say over, that they do their job, that they bring them. As, as Ed Brady used to say, you know, I want the pros and the cons. Tell me. Give me everything. Well, I think was the best mayor we had. And, and, now, and now you've got, you know, they come up with a preset agenda, and it's, you know, basically bring back what proves this point. Interesting thing, if I may, uh, this alcohol ordinance, I heard last night on the news that they didn't make a decision on changing the open container everywhere ordinance because they sent uh, staff back to see what they're doing in other college communities. And I think this is really strange because when they went to open containers everywhere, it was about the homeless not getting charged with drinking mm. when they're outside because mm -hmm. they had, that's their living room. Um, so, you know, the focus keeps changing depending on what answers they want. And, you know, this micromanaging uh, these decisions, um, it is part of the problem, and I digressed, and you well, better okay. bring me You're, back. <laughs> what I'm going to bring you back to is what is the number one item you say you encounter, and that's the talking it, about doing away with the neighborhoods. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, I think the, let me let me just give you my amateur opinion. And it's just my opinion. I think they're going to go ahead and ignore the public input and do what they well, headstrongly want to do. Well, they're not only going to ignore it. They've already tried to put the clamps on it. Last night, uh, yesterday, they had a general policy meeting where they set out the rules. And if I can back up a little bit, when they, in the beginning of uh, July, when they had set a, a special meeting to speak only about the zoning issues, uh, I wrote them and I asked them to please change the venue so that everybody could be in the room. I think it has a whole different impact if they have to look at 200 people who are saying no, 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 versus seeing 15 at a time, which it was the last time I wrote. Uh, then they canceled that meeting. I think it's because we were building up 
a big head of steam. Uh, there were petitions going out. We were going door to door. I think word was out that the rate, the natives were restless. And um, so they canceled the meeting because of a technical uh, thing in, in their meeting notice they said might be confusing. I think they just used that as an opportunity to let off some of the steam and people had to build it up again. Um, I wrote them another letter and said, now that you have to reschedule this meeting, please do it in a larger venue like the county chambers or one of the high school auditoriums so that people can be in the room with you. Uh, they didn't respond. Uh, I went to the um, meeting last week and my public comments were, you haven't responded. The people need to know. Um, Will you please move this to another venue? Now, I had already talked to Cynthia Chestnut about it. She didn't say it. Nobody said anything. Nobody said, Ms. Beatty makes a good point. Let's let's do this. Anyway, this week, uh, Ms. Chestnut said we need a larger venue. Last night, they decided no larger venue. They will put 30 seats in the auditorium. Because, you know, they've taken all the seats out. Well, they made it small on purpose. And, when and, they redid it, right. they made it small. And um, they didn't like a packed house. They, ha after. they haven't redone it, but they took the chairs out. They were asked to put the chairs back. They said they would. They haven't. You go in there, half the seats are taken usually with staff. Um, so they won't have to look everybody in the eye. They um, are limiting the time for citizen comments. I, you know, from what I get, I think there should be a huge crowd there. They don't want to see them. They're controlling this. Only four hours. They're going to take a break every hour. Um, and so I think I figured maximum they'll get 80 people to speak. When it was zoning over at uh, 30, uh, 43rd and 23rd, the St. Michael's property, they had probably that many people call in and that was controlled because that was on Zoom and all but one or two, you know, were against what they were going to do. They're going to do it anyway. They, the St. Michael's, they eventually backed off on. Uh, they seem absolutely poised to, it doesn't matter what you say, we're going to do this anyway. It's good to see that there are these groups. And if I can give a little plug, um, if people go to... Uh, What's the uh, petitions online? Um, there's a, uh, what's the name? I forget the name of the site. But if you go look up uh, lower, uh, change.org. Change.org. And they've got, there are two petitions that people should watch. There's halt the elimination of single family zoning. And they're trying to get 2,500 um, signatures. And they're almost there. Uh, and then there's another one which is now the second burning issue is lower GRU rates. People are getting their bills. So oh, yeah. it was exclusively about the uh, the zoning and, and taking away the single family zoning, which um, Mayor Poe says is racist, although the black community says it's not. Although and that's something. And, and, and so, you know, what, you know, I don't know what he's done in his 12 years or so of service um but besides no better off for it their bus service is getting cut as you mentioned earlier and so all the things that would help you know aren't so we're getting lip service and now i guess the best way to get a white person to back off is to call them racist yeah. and these single family communities are very integrated um and, you know, it's it's not exclusionary. There's no redlining like in the past. There's no, I mean, my neighborhood, there's a great mix. You can afford of, to live there. You can live there. Yeah, exactly. Like, and yeah. and you've got the people that are worried, you know, the, in the traditional black neighborhoods who, you know, want their traditional neighborhoods. They're going, yeah, this is an effort to gentrify us, to, you know, get us out. Well, so The biggest thing that hurts them good. is the uh, utility bill. Yeah, and that's I've I've said that you know when they keep talking about affordable housing, I keep getting up and I say, you talk about affordable housing and in in the income, I said, you are not talking about the utility bill because that's making a lot of affordable housing 
unaffordable Absolutely. for people. Absolutely. And it's, um, so, you yeah, know. If you have a question, chat, chat along here. I'm looking at the chat line here, and um, I'm talking with uh, Joe Beatty, who's been in our community for quite a while, attending these meetings simply on a kind of um, teacher-like basis, uh, if you will. I really believe the great people in our culture are the teachers, uh, and we ought to give a little more due to them, but that's another issue. Um, so, so you knew I was a teacher, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. So what have you... I don't want to ask a stupid question. You know, that's all. Maybe I'm going to ask one. Um, what have you learned that you wish everybody else knew that it, you have an opportunity now Whew. to share Ooh. your experience with the people? What, have you, what have you learned that, from your experience that you can pass along to them because they will not have this experience that you've had? Um, oh, gee. There's so much I've learned. I, you know, I've learned that, that oh, gee, you really threw me a curve here because <laughs> I'm just trying to focus. Um, I've learned that you've got to, uh, can't rely on the news anymore. You can't rely on the news. You can't rely on the newspaper. That's right off the bat because I, that, as long as I've been doing this show, has been increasingly the opinion of people who are really seeking information accurately presented. They have written off the news, and um, that has given this show and uh, some of the other platforms an opportunity to try to fill in the gap, if you will. Yeah, I, I tell you that, the, you know, the newspaper used to be, I read it every day. I thought I kept informed. You, you referred to uh, the coal plant and Mike Kurtz. You know, I remember all that discussion and uh, at that point, uh, my mother-in-law had had her stroke, and we were very busy, but we all kept up on the news. And when they said, you know, I heard the public come out with expertise and opinions and ideas, you know, let's do distributed energy, let's do all sorts of things to explore. And I think it was Pegane Hanrahan at that point said, you know, when they voted the coal down, we're going to have a robust community discussion about it. And I kept reading the paper, kept reading the paper, and then all of a sudden this biomass thing was upon and like without the where robust, was without where, the robust what I considered <laughs> robust con you never saw anything in the paper and it wasn't till Paula told me about about this contract that was highly redacted um, and that I knew, and then when we started protest, you know, trying to change things and try to get them to go in a different direction, they go, oh, we had 26 me public meetings. You know, where were you, Mrs. Beatty? And I'm going like, I didn't know. Well, their public meetings were little committee meetings in the basement and, mm -hmm. and things that, and it certainly wasn't in the paper. You know, I thought reading the paper, I'd know when the robust conversation was happening. It wasn't. And now you've got um, reporters that uh, even very good young student reporters that come in, but they don't have the long view. They don't. Nobody helps educate them, and you know it's it's really sad what's happened because I see very promising reporters who would look into things, but they're not allowed to, and and so you don't get. Uh, the whole story and it's funny during this biomass thing was when uh, Clark Butler died and there was the lawsuit because his woman friend um, mm. and Deborah Butler there was a whole big thing there was a four full page expose <laughs> where they went and they got the public records and they they did all this and you know I'm going I've been trying to get them to do this on the biomass you don't know how many reporters I say, this is your Woodward Bernstein moment. I'm not asking you to write Joe Beatty's story. Don't forget about what I think these documents tell. I said, just take these documents and write the story that they tell. And nobody, you know, a, one, one of the good ones, uh, TV20, uh, Trent, uh, I forget his last name, uh, he was good. He dug in and he did get them to give him like, but then you got to get past the editor, you know? Yeah, well, but he talked that, but um, so, you know, it's, it's, 
it's higher up, and now the city has, you know, their public information officer, and and the reporting is really directly from the press releases from the city, and and uh, it was, um, yeah. So I would say, you know, don't believe anything you say, and when there are people like me that are there in the room pick their brains, talk to them, find out, you know, what did we see? You know, don't discount it because, well, the paper said, you well, know, we've got five minutes left, Joe. So what would you, here's one we always ask you if you want to make your pitch, why should somebody vote for you uh, as opposed to your opponents? Now, uh, even though you've been presenting yourself and your uh, expertise here all along, if you can get a little, you know, because these people who vote, here they remember very little (laughs) let's face it they remember very little so what is it you're going to do for them i'm going to give you this shot uh and you you take it and run with it okay okay well first of all as we've been talking um and you've really made my case for me uh the way i operate i think it's really important that you analyze the uh the um candidates not just by what they say they're going to do but um, how? How do they make decisions? I think I've got a history and a record. You can go to the city commission website as long as they leave it up because they're about to change it. You won't be able to do this soon. But you can go and you can you can put in my name and you can see every time I've spoken. Um, and it'll take you right to the video in my comments. So you can see what I've done. And so I've walked the walk. Um, and my record is there, and I'm proud of it, and I will um, continue to serve the same way. I have no special interest except for that we make good decisions. Um, I invite the the public in. You know, the public has been systematically removed from the process, as you can tell by the rules that they set for this very important meeting that they put on a fairly full agenda. Um, so, you know, a lot of the citizens that have tried to be part of the process have left the room because they couldn't get anywhere. And I think with a new commission, if if you elect the right people, the right mayor and in District 4 and uh, 3, you know, the right people that want to bring you back in the process, want to listen to you, are willing to make decisions based on data. Some of the problems, they define problems, but I haven't seen the data to support the problems they say are there. And, um, you know, we haven't even gotten into the Auditor General report, which I was also instrumental in getting the state to come in. But um, you need to make, uh, the voters need to make decisions based on data, not just on the short sound bites or the what the press releases are. Uh, as you say, there are other places to get information. I'm trying to load up my website. I'm, I'm not Let's a, just cover one last thing before we go. Sure. What is the date of the election? Date of the election. <laughs> the date of the election officially is August 23rd. But right now you have early voting. People are voting as we speak. Uh, and then you have early voting, and I don't remember those exact dates. It's about a week before yeah. the election, the 13th-ish um, of August. But it's real important before you cast those um, mail-in ballots, if you're sitting there with a mail-in ballot or if they're coming, please hold on. There's more information coming out. I think this, me- this meeting on uh, August 4th, there's a very important meeting. And I think, you know, a lot of people are going to vote before the uh, August you. surprise, and yeah, yeah. Well, I think there will be this, some. But I, she makes, Joe makes a very good point. Uh, I'm not in favor of this elongated voting because many times people vote with less information than they need if they just waited until, you know, a little closer to. What I wished we all did was voted on one day, showed up with ID, and that'd clear up a lot of the problems. But no. 24 hours. Yep, there, there's a whole other story in and of itself. Well, Joe... Thanks so much for coming by on the Ward Scott Files. And we will, of course, uh, have this show up very shortly on wardscottfiles.com website. And it will feed out to 
all kinds of platforms. You can may simply ask Google, uh, hey, Google, let's uh, listen to the Ward Scott files, and they'll pop it right up for you. So the world of technology is really uh, expanding the availability of shows like this, and uh, you need to be aware of it and catch on to it because we do do our part, hopefully, in keeping you informed. It's all in your court, by the way. Uh, you are the students. You've heard the stories. You've heard the, uh, the class. Now you've got to go govern yourself accordingly, and we wish, wish you the best. Have a great weekend, Joe. Thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me. Award House Command Center out.